Good morning, good morning. Good morning. All right, welcome to The Blockument, crypto education through everyday conversations. I'm Nate Tobit, Executive Director of Detroit Blockchain Center, and to my right... I am Ashley Rose. I am your everyday girl. I am a mother. I am an online reseller, and I am on a journey to figure out what is all of this crypto blockchain stuff about. It's a lot of stuff to try to figure out. Yeah, you're telling me. I am telling you. <laughs> Today's show is pre-recorded. So uh, normally we can have call-ins and whatnot, but today we cannot. So don't yeah, try I... to call. And uh, when are we recording this show, Ashley? Well, first I was going to say we are recording this extra early. So uh, yeah, <laughs> extra coffee. Yeah, extra coffee, extra energy drinks. So um, the current block height is seven hundred and ninety-three thousand eight hundred and ninety-two. Um, the block size is one point nine megabytes. That consists of three thousand four hundred and twenty transactions. Um, the total fees and subsidies that were one on this one are 165,744 USD, which equates to 6.424 Bitcoin. And the miner that won that lovely amount is uh, F2 Pool, which is a new one that I have we have not seen on the show yet. F2 Pool. Yeah. I remember uh, a show or two ago you were asking about, uh, we were slightly talking about which pools or which miners have how much of the hash rate right so on the site there you're looking at mempools.space yep if you go to the um bottom of the screen you can see the mining dashboard they have a mining dashboard it might be up here at the top too um and then you yeah the little hammer at the top is the mining dashboard okay and you're on your laptop and I'm on my cell phone so it looks a little different but yeah um Yep, but when you go to your mind, and we're trying to figure out a way here to splice this in. So if you're actually watching this instead of just listening. Yeah, you can see what we see. Soon you'll be able to see what we see. Right. Yeah. But in that, once you find the uh, mining dashboard, you'll see um, all a bunch of information about um, the mining, like what the average block fees are, the hash rate, when the difficulty adjustment is, when the next halving is. Mm -hmm. But you also see a breakdown of mining pools. So you can see Foundry mm -hmm. currently has, as of this block height, has 33.4% of the total hash rate. So they control two-thirds of the network, or one-third of the network. Yeah. Um, then you have Antpool. They have about 21%, so they're a little over a fifth of the network. And then F2Pool. Oh, yeah, look at that. With their 14%. They're on the board. They are on the board. Um, but this is one of the questions while you're talking about pools and centralization and decentralization mm -hmm. is, um, is this. So these three miners together, you have 33, 21, 14. So that's what, 54, 68%. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's about 68 percent of the hash right. network so a common critique is if just these three entities collude right right they obviously control the hash rate mm -hmm. which means they can do what they could attack like take like, what's what's an attack like, go look over? like take um, over what? make 
like uh, double spend. They could double spend. Double spend your money? Double, not, no, their own. That's right. So it's not as Ooh, I passed the quiz, guys. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not as um, catastrophic as some people think it is. It's not healthy, though, right? right yeah. Um, and the other thing is, um, uh, uh, the biggest counter to that isn't that they could just double spend. Um, the biggest counter to that is these are pools. These are not individual miners. Yeah, this isn't like Ashley's mining 33% of yeah. the network, like which means you unilaterally. Yeah, like there's not like a foundry. Like that's a person. It's right. There's, there is a company that's running the pool, but the pool is a real, real-time conglomerate of individual users. Mm -hmm. You might have yourself one ASIC miner. You don't want to try to win a block yourself because it's so rare that then you fall down to this 2% of others, mm -hmm. right? And you're probably only about 0.02% of the 2% of others yeah. if you're uh, a solo miner. So you're low, low, low on the totem pole. <laughs> right. So if there was ever um, suspicion of any kind of collusion or if any one of the pools themselves um, somehow as an organization mm -hmm. were trying to... Um, control the hash rate, all the individual miners, or a good chunk of them, could just point their miner to a different pool. They could point to something like uh, Mara Pool or Via BTC or mm -hmm. um, any well, other, other pools. But it would only be Foundry that would be able to double spend their money, not the people in the pool? Well, they're all, they all together make up Foundry, which is why another thing. It's like, first before Foundry and Ant Pool could collude, mm -hmm. You almost have to have all the miners in those pools be part of the collusion. And then you start to fall into, like, these weird conspiracy theory things <laughs> um, where, like, it's not that it's impossible, but it's, it's like, how likely is it? It's one thing to say, like, three people have a conspiracy mm -hmm. or one agency and the top people in an agency or something have some kind of conspiracy. But when you start talking about, like, the janitor's got to be in on it. Yeah. Right? And then nobody's talking about it. Yeah. It just becomes less and less likely. Yeah. You know, large-scale conspiracies happen, right? But yep. becomes less likely. Yep. But that's not even the point of the show today. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. What <laughs> is the point of the show today? Uh, well, I was kind of thinking now that I'm trying to, now that I'm, like, starting to understand a couple things here, maybe we could dig into a couple of these coins that you would see on, um, you know, your exchange or that exist and maybe try to, look into what problem each of these coins solve like like why do they exist and and maybe a little bit about like like how like how they solve that problem and kind of what they do like what their purpose for being here is <laughs> all right the cynic in me says i can answer this in about five seconds what they do you mean well it's easy they solve the problem of the founders not having enough Bread. Mm. <laughs> you think so? You, you don't think that some of these are actually solving problems? Well, so I'm on CoinGecko.com right now, right? Um, this allows you to see current prices of, of different tokens, and if you click on them, it'll give you a little bit deeper summary of them. But at the very top of that screen, it lets you know like how many coins there are, right? So on CoinGecko, they have 9,999 listed. Mm -hmm. Now I'm gonna jump over to an even broader one, 
CoinMarketCap.com, <laughs> they have 25,638 different coins on their platform. Yowza. So when you say what do they all try to solve a problem, you're trying to say that there are 25,638 different <laughs> problems <laughs> that exist that specifically can only be solved by some kind of crypto or blockchain. Yeah. So this is where you get a lot of skepticism um, from at least people like me on what problems does it really solve. Most of them probably solve no <laughs> problem. I guess I didn't realize like how many there are. I, I typically tend to look at like the top 10, top 20, top 30 maybe. Mm-hmm. Which is a good starting point. But the downside of that is top 10 by what? Yeah. By price, right? By market cap, mm -hmm. which just means they've suckered more people <laughs> potentially, right? Yeah. Um, so most people know I'm a Bitcoin motionless. I don't think Bitcoin's suckering people. I like Ethereum. I don't think uh, Ethereum Core is really suckering people. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of projects built on it, though, because that's where a lot of these coins come from. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you have Dogecoin in the top 10. Yeah, well, is is Pepe Coin in there? Because that's <laughs> and no. also no, for real. <laughs> no. Wow. How about Shiba Inu? No. For real? No, okay. not right now. You gotta um, the hype train is over. Shiba News right now is at 18th, and again, it's at market cap. So even if it wasn't the top 10, which it was at one point, right? It was mm -hmm. outperforming Doge. What does that mean? More people think it's going to go to a dollar, and they're going to get rich. Mm -hmm. What problem is that solving besides, you know, <laughs> yeah. that a casino or a lottery doesn't already solve? Yeah. So, some things, yes. But, uh, you know, I'm not a total skeptic. There are, I think, there are several projects that I get excited about in the um, space uh, that I do think solve problems. Whether they're actively solving them mm -hmm. is something different. Um, but even Bitcoin, you know, it aim to solve a problem and it's just now really in the past few years getting to a point where in certain areas it is solving a problem not proposing to solve a problem mm -hmm. you know the only problem bitcoin solved for probably majority of its existence is speculation right the problem it solved is i think like number, number go, go up. up okay um but now people can use it People are using it. Yeah. Nation states are using it. Corporations are using them. People are using it. Um, and not just for number go up, but to be uh, um, um, to preserve wealth. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, and that's really what Bitcoin was designed to do. Preserve wealth. And that's the first stage of being sort of peer-to-peer -peer cash. So is that what... This is, might be a silly question, <laughs> but I'm going to ask it. Mm -hmm. So was the U.S. dollar designed to preserve wealth? No. Um, because I feel like people, was, people tend to like think of like a one-to-one, -one, like, like Bitcoin is supposed to replace the USD. But if they're solving two different problems, then I feel like that's a silly like, assumption. Which I'm going to assume you're talking about USD as we know it today. Right, yeah. because mm -hmm. USD post nineteen seventy one is very different than USD pre nineteen seventy one. Yep, 
at NUSD pre early 1900s is very different than USD, you know, or post 1900s is very different than, you know, the pre 1900s. Um, dollars don't preserve wealth today. This is what inflation is all right. about, and inflation is built into the monetary system, most countries' monetary system, right? Mm-hmm. Um, inflation by nature is designed to, well, by its nature, it destroys wealth, not preserves it, right? right. Deflation preserves wealth. Right. But deflation can destroy economic growth. Inflation promotes economic growth. Basically, to not sound like a junior level economist, anybody who doesn't really care about any of this stuff like that, is you run a business, right? Mm-hmm. You're a business. I'm a citizen, and our favorite person, Alice, <laughs> right, is represents the government or the state, right? Now, what Alice wants in the interest of the people, assuming all best intentions, is she wants to see economic growth. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we have some kind of deflationary currency or flatline currency. Right. But especially if it's deflationary, the only way you can grow the economy is to help businesses expand. Mm-hmm. The only way you're going to expand is I come spend my money. Mm-hmm. You sell a widget, whatever that widget is. Right. Um, now, if you have a deflationary currency, if I'm holding today, um, a, we'll use U.S. dollar terms because people get them. If I'm holding one U.S. dollar worth of purchasing power today mm-hmm. and it's deflationary, that means tomorrow I might actually have a dollar and 10 cents. And in a week, I might have a dollar 35 because the value of my dollar is going up. Right. Right. This is why people buy gold, stocks, things like that. To, the, the purchasing power goes up. Mm-hmm. So why would I spend, why would I buy your widget today for a dollar when tomorrow? I'll have a dollar ten, and I get a discount. Well, what if you need the widget today? Well, then you're then this is the argument for this is sort of an Austrian argument for deflation, right? It makes people more responsible spenders. Mm-hmm. We're not it, it kills consumerism in mm-hmm. a way, mm-hmm. right? Needless consumerism, and it encourages people to save up and yeah. preserve their wealth in hard times and only spend when on things they really need or truly, truly want, not just sort of leisurely want. You don't see people leisurely walking into car dealerships, buying a car, and most likely in an Austrian economy. Mm. But in a capitalist, in like a Keynesian economy, which we're in, well, we're sort of phased into now a modern monetary theorist economy, which is like Keynesian and on, on steroids. Well, it sounds um, like it's going to be a separate episode. It, it well, we sort of covered this in <laughs> um, the whole "what is money" and money and finance stuff. But yeah, ultimately, the more you spend, um, the more you incentivize people like me to spend, the more money a business is going to make. The more money you make, the more you can expand out. The more you want to expand out, the more likely you're going to need more like loans and yeah. things like that. So the financial system can expand out, and you're going to see this rapid expansion. Right. Right. So that's the utility of Bitcoin is trying to do multiple things, be a peer to peer cash. Mm -hmm. But you can't really do that without a um, um, the 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 uh, wealth preservation piece. Mm. Dollars get away with that because originally they use gold as the wealth preservation piece. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Gold was the store of value. Right. And then you could issue a dollar based off the gold. So mm-hmm. dollar became a means of exchange and also a unit of account, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because it was using gold as that back. And then in 71, we left the gold standard officially. 
and now it's the U.S. word that's the um, preservation of uh, wealth. Mm-hmm. It's your store of value, yeah. right? So I can spend the dollar. What makes the dollar worth something? Because the U.S. is bullets, yeah. right? Um, and then you can tap into that back on the gold standard. You could tap into it by buying the actual gold. Now you can tap into that by buying a treasury. So if you got dollars and you want to preserve wealth, you don't hold dollars. You don't know anybody who's wealthy that holds dollars. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's nobody's millionaire or billionaire or hundred thousandaire or any of that um, that's not financially struggling and holds all their money in some kind of savings account. Right. Yeah. They're trying to put their dollars out to work for them. Like they want to give right. them away so they go do something. Right. And if you want that um, store of value from the dollar, then you buy a U.S. Treasury. If you want something even um, more deflationary in a sense, you buy some, you get more risky assets like real estate, stocks, Bitcoin. So, okay. I don't. Uh, so then. Ethereum. So then. Again, silly question alert, but so then is Bitcoin really like a currency? If it's supposed to be a store of value, why no, would not a currency why yet. would you want to well why would you want to transact in it if it's supposed to be deflationary and be a store of value? Well, this is you you're you were getting back to sort of monetary arguments, right? Yeah. It's, it's an argument. Do deflationary why is deflation better than inflation? That's more subjective, and it hasn't been proven because we've never really lived in a society. And I don't think I don't know of one that was naturally came up in a purely Austrian monetary theory, which would argue for a deflationary economy. Um, so it's just theory, mostly right now. We haven't really seen it at scale to test it. We know an inflationary economy definitely boosts productivity mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. Um, but it also increases wealth gaps. Right. And um, it hyperinflates. Mm-hmm. Right. Inflation is a natural cycle, so it hyperinflates. And then you have, um, um, to be a currency, right, you've got to have more of that exchange piece. Right. Bitcoin, again, for most of its existence, Bitcoin didn't do anything it promised to do. Um on its surface because no one was using it for it. But over the past five years or so, that's rapidly changed. You have things like uh, Lightning Network, which make it much easier to do peer-to-peer cash, Um, even just using Bitcoin directly. If you're using mid-level to high-end purchases, Mm -hmm. it works. Um, A lot of people are using it to just preserve their wealth right now. Yeah. You know? Um, but then so. you wouldn't want to use it as a currency if you're like in a in a time like this. Like you would want to hold on to it and not spend it. Right. <laughs> I'm. I expect. I'm a. I'm a doomer in the in the um, manner that I think we're headed for very tough financial times over the next twelve to eighteen months. Right. I don't think we've seen anywhere near a bottom. Right. Globally, not even just talking like here in the U.S. Um, Therefore, I'm going to find things where I think are going to hold at worst, just hold my value. Right. I want to keep that purchasing power. Right. Um, I'm not going to keep that in dollars. Yeah. Right. No. Um, And then in good times, you know, when things turn around or if Mm -hmm. I'm totally wrong or whatever, Mm -hmm. 
I've preserved my, I can't, I don't really lose then, right? right. All I'm losing is my current consumerism. Right. I don't get to buy all the newest cool toys I want because yeah. I need to preserve my purchasing power. Yeah. Then in good times, if the assets I chose to buy, again, I, you know, I might put it in like a Bitcoin and a few other crypto pieces. There's real estate. There are a few stocks you might mm -hmm. put it in. Um, if they all do their job right, I might put it in gold or silver. If they all do their job right, mm -hmm. even if I'm wrong about the economic conditions in two years, they still have maintained or increased their purchasing power. Right. So I still, I can just buy more stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's sort of Bitcoin's thing. But Bitcoin is good for that and sort of that alone right now, unless you really like really expensive, not truly immutable NFT-esque things. <laughs> then you can also do that on Bitcoin now. Yeah. <clears throat> um, they are working on a few like layer two solutions and things that allow you to do more uh, smart contract type things. But... If you don't want to wait for that, you can always hop over to a different type of uh, cryptos like Ethereum. Yeah. So then as it stands right now, Bitcoin is solving um, storage, storage value. Bitcoin is solving a hyperinflationary market problem. Okay. Right? Um, <laughs> which, yeah, store of value. But... Mostly store of value curbed by humans. The whole point of yeah. the original point of um, something like Bitcoin was to get people out of the mix when it comes to long term decision making. Right? Not entirely out of the mix. We're not talking about AI stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, <laughs> temporarily out of the mix. So you want to know, again, if you're a business or you're a parent, let's assume you're a mother, an everyday <laughs> mother, right? Yeah. Um, is she a is she a reseller on the? She she's yes, <laughs> she's a reseller. That works perfectly. An everyday mother who's a reseller, just trying to figure out what this whole crypto and everything, this whole world thing is about, right? <laughs> so that's you. You want to be able to plan, especially when you have kids, for the future. Right. How do you plan for the future when, as soon as you get your plan established, the game changes? They change right. all the rules. Right. So you're like, all right, this is what I got to do. I got to save this. I got to do this. I got to put this here so this can be there for my daughter. Boom. Set. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not how we do it anymore. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Let me get this back. Let me get this back. Let me reset. All right, I'm going to do yeah. this. I'm going to do this and reset. And boom. Yeah, we're not going to do it like that anymore. We're going to go back to the old way. Oh. Okay, let me reset again, right? Yeah. You're just hopping from one foot to the next. And by yeah. the time you think you get something straight, right? Yeah. It's too late. Because mm -hmm. now your daughter's... 23. Yeah, now she's and like, got I, I've never been able to do anything because yeah. I kept changing the rules. Yeah. So the point of a permissionless, censorship-resistant, immutable blockchain is that it's very, very difficult, almost to the point where some of them it becomes close to impossible to change the rules of the game. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. People in bed, Bitcoin has only will ever have 21 million right under 21 million coins ever that's that's an absolute statement that's not true as an absolute bitcoin could have 42 million you would just have to get the entire network pretty much to agree mm. we need 42 million coins mm -hmm. the likelihood of that happening is a very close to but not quite zero percent mm -hmm. but it could happen 
right? Yeah. But that's what makes it powerful is it's not going to happen on a whim. Right. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and somebody's like, ah, we changed the monetary policy of Bitcoin. Right. There's 42 million now. Like we just your cut your 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 uh, store value in half. Mm. Right. I see. That's the utility of Bitcoin. You have this immutable time chain that can't be changed easily without wide, wide consensus. So that's what they mean when they say it's evening the playing field. Right. Okay. Who makes the decision now? If they want to double the dollar supply, if you're in Europe, if they want to double the euros in circulation, right? Yeah. Who controls that? The the Middle East, (laughs) Russia, a lot of countries are oil-driven, right? Who decides whether they're going to drill more oil or not? Probably like some committee somewhere that's out of touch with... You're lucky if it's committee, and it's not (laughs) just one single individual. Yeah. Right? So there's no consensus there. You live on somebody else's whim. And maybe that person's great, but when that person leaves and a new person comes in, now you got to hope they're also going to be... Well, you have to hope that their incentives are aligned with yours. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of... I'm having a little bit of another, like, revelation right now when you always say, like, Bitcoin kind of helps align incentives. So that's kind of connecting that piece right now in my brain. (laughs) It is money for enemies. Yeah. Because nobody can change the rules. Yeah. Yeah. Unilaterally. Yeah. So that's Bitcoin's sort of... What is it good for, right? Does yeah. it does it serve any purpose? I think so. Other people disagree because they think we already got that with a government. Mm-hmm. Some mm-hmm. people think Bitcoin ain't the way, so they want to use something else. Some people think Bitcoin's great, right? I'm so cut me off if you got other things we can talk about because I'll just go down my own chain. But some people think Bitcoin's great, yeah. but it lacks privacy, therefore it sucks. So therefore, Monero is the way, or Zcash is the yeah. way. Yeah. Well, I do have I do have a list of coins. I wasn't sure how long we were gonna if we were gonna breeze through these or or, or whatever. But so um, I guess we can just start. I I have a controversial one that I want to start with. Uh oh. <laughs> I already I already feel like I know what it's gonna be. Yeah, it's right here. Um, XRP. XRP. <laughs> the XRP army. Yeah. Um. So what is XRP's purpose right that's what I, that's what I want to know <laughs> well what's their stated purpose do you know that um, I think it's to I, is is it to be a bridge of all money or something that's what so that's what sort of that's what I've heard on the interwebs on the interwebs so here from coin market cap right if you go to coin market cap you'll see on the first page all the top um, all the 22 or 26, however many I said there are, 25,000 cryptos. You can use the search box, but XRP is a top 10. So um, look through your top 10. You'll see XRP. Click on it. It's going to give you, like, its chart and price. But if you scroll down, which I don't think most people do, they usually stop at the price chart. Yeah. But if you scroll down some, it'll give you some news, and then it'll tell you about it. And they usually pull this information from and summarize it from the actual project. So this is your first step on sort of getting what it is. Um, and if you go to the whole do your own research episode we did, mm-hmm. um, I linked to a couple of these. So you'll have like CoinGecko. I like Masari because they give a lot of detailed mm. um, research and stuff. So from CoinMarketCap, yeah, uh, launched 
Um, let's see. The XRP Ledger is an open source permissionless technology. Benefits of XRP include its low cost transactions, its speed, its scalability, and inherently green attributes. They've already lost me. All right. <laughs> the XRP Ledger also features the first decentralized exchange. Don't know about that. And custom tokenization capabilities built into the protocol. Um, that didn't really tell much yeah. about why it was created. Yeah. Um, so here we go. Launched the XRP Ledger and its native currency, XRP. It's supposed to be a faster, more energy efficient alternative to the Bitcoin blockchain. Right? So, sort of what I was just saying about the privacy thing, like uh, Zcash and Monero. Right? They're so, like, oh, Bitcoin's great, but it needs more privacy. XRP is like. It needs to be faster. Yeah, but I, since I've I've been around long enough to remember the uh, uh, previous narrative, the mm -hmm. 2016 ish narrative, um, it wasn't just that it was faster. They wanted to be the new banking rail part. They're like banks and stuff are not going to just hop in and start by using Bitcoin. Yeah. Right. And I sort of agree with that. Right. Banks, you're. You don't come up and say, hey, you, I'm going to destroy everything <laughs> yeah. you stand for. Right. So you should just use me. They're going to fight you on that, right? right? So they'd be like step one, like so, introduction. Right. Um, so way back when I used to, I, you know, full disclosure, maybe I'll do that in some of these. I own Bitcoin. I used to own XRP. I don't anymore, but maybe I'll start disclosing. This is None of this is financial <laughs> advice. We're not financial advisors. No. She's Ashley's already said she's just <laughs> learning all this yeah. stuff, and I'm just some schmuck that she listens to sometimes, but mm -hmm. shouldn't when it comes to financial advice. All right. So that all being said, um, back when I first really got into XRP, that was their whole thing, and I sort of agreed on that piece. Like, all right, right? They're not going to just go to use Bitcoin. So I am a believer that power, true power, can't be taken. Right. Right. It has to sort of be given. Usually it's given through arrogance. Right. So whoever's powerful is so arrogant, they don't think they could lose it. And they just don't pay attention as they slowly relinquish their power away until they have none. Mm -hmm. That's how empires, you know, get toppled and things. And I think the same is true with banking system. You're not just going to walk in and take the banking system. Yeah. Right. You have to sort of trick them into it. So I was like, yeah, I get that. XRP. I'm with you. <laughs> um, but then I started to think, um, as time went on, the big thing they were sort of attacking is the uh, um, the rails that run um, the whole banking system, right? Oh, which is like Swift. Swift. Okay. Um, this is just like a messaging service, but this is, if you don't know, that's how banks, especially when you leave your country of origin. It's not like a bank calls up another bank. They use this whole underlying protocol that's a messaging service to do this. So Ripple Labs, who started XRP yeah. and started this pre-Bitcoin, right? they didn't have a cryptocurrency pre-Bitcoin, but they had this intention to replace SWIFT. They've always, Ripple Labs or Ripple Incorporated has always been in the game of um, replacing the rails that run the banking system. And so when Bitcoin came along, of course they were all on that, but Bitcoin isn't built for that yet, right? Yeah. It's, it has the scalability when you're doing 
you can't. It's the whole trilemma thing. Yeah. And we'll do an episode maybe on the trilemma one day so I don't get sidetracked into that. <laughs> um, I'll write it down. Right. So this is where XRP started to come through. And so XRP, pre-2020, 2021, so for most of its existence, its whole base was it had, you had the ledger and then you had the XRP token. Okay. The ledger was the messaging system. The token was the way that banks were going to use to sort of, they would put the money, whatever currency, they would transfer it over to the XRP, wire that across the globe at almost zero fees, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Then they can convert it back into whatever native currency or whatever. That was the whole premise. Native currency being fiat? Whatever, yeah, fiat or whatever. It could have okay. been technically anything you could convert. You just have to, it's like an exchange, right? So you're okay. just going to convert it over to the XRP, transfer it. Because if I'm, if, even if it was gold, if I want to send gold, I can't just send it instantly at mm, no cost. I see what you're saying. So you would convert the gold to XRP, send the XRP, and unconvert it. But it was probably more gold promissory notes because we all know the problem yeah. with porting gold. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that seemed like a good idea. But then you start to think, all right, well, if I'm a, you're this company and you're providing this system. I'm JP Morgan and I'm Bank of your Bank of America and somebody else as Wells Fargo, Alice, I heard Alice as Wells Fargo. Alice. <laughs> right? Um why are they just going to be like, oh cool, this one system that we sort of control, mm-hmm. we're gonna give that up and go to your system. Right, right. Now they might like your system. But they don't have control of it. But they don't have control of it. Right. So why wouldn't they just build their own? Right. And that's exactly what started to happen, right? In uh, 2017, you started to hear the blockchain, not Bitcoin mm. debate. Mm-hmm. That was banks saying, we're going to build our own. Mm. And that's what they did. They didn't go and run and use XRP. They ran and just built their own little networks. Does it have an, a name? Uh, I can't remember. Like JP Morgan had the most popular one. I can't remember what the name is. Oh, okay. J- Chase Coin, JP Morgan Coin. I don't know. Oh yeah. Jamie Diamond Coin. It was something. I can't remember. Oh wow. Because it was garbage. Yeah. Like most of these <laughs> systems are, but that's what they're gonna do. Um, and then the few places that did experiment with XRP, and experiment is the key word, mm-hmm. right? They didn't experiment with XRP, the token. They experimented with the 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 the, rail. the ledger. Oh, ledger the actual ledger that's what if you when you heard like um such and such bank was going to try this out yeah they tried out the techno the, the coinless technology part mm. right because that's what interested them they didn't care yeah. about the coin and so when you're looking at is xrp something worth the token is it worth doing yeah. something and i'm not arguing i'm making i'm not making any stance or arguments at this moment about decentralization <laughs> or whether it's owned or if it's a security i'm not talking about any of that i'm just talking about straight up utility right it, people who get xrp get it hoping mm-hmm. the price is going to go up they're not holding it because they hope the price stays steady and banks use it for a steady stable right. same price as i converted my dollars for it for right. mm-hmm. they want the price to go up right. but now you got to start thinking about the economics of that mm-hmm. why are banks going to start using this coin knowing that the usage of the coin assuming the usage of the coin is going to make the price go up mm-hmm. right which means everything starts to go up 
it's not as cheap. It's not as whatever, especially if they bought it, because now they have to start thinking about game theory of it. Yeah. If I buy it now and we buy too much of it, the price is going to escalate, which means when we need to buy more in the future, we're going to get less. That right. whole purchasing power conversation. Right, right, right. So it doesn't even make sense for them to want to use the coin piece if it's designed to go up in price as usage increases. And then it becomes more expensive for them to use it. Right. Now, Bitcoin is designed to go up in price as usage increases. This is part of a limited supply, mm -hmm. supply and demand, mm -hmm. right? So you start to look at these things, and it's like, ah, eh, now does it really make sense to use XRP, at least the token? I think it makes less sense. Yeah. So, so, so XRP kind of... Is it like does it hits a solution without a, pro a problem? Kind of like it's just not um, the token. Absolutely, there's I, I again I don't think they're wrong on like the Swift system being a problem. And if you can decentralize, if you could take a Swift system and decentralize it, which is what they basically do. They always go to the banking conferences and they have their uh, their uh, well, I can't remember the name of it right now. Yeah, Swift, and they have uh, like quantum. Thing? No, but it's like an alternative to Swift. They they're always sort of selling that. So everything Ripple's doing, it's it's that intent, right? Ripple wants to get this new platform going. Um, if they can make it decentralized, minus a token, I don't have a problem with that, mm -hmm. right? It's just the token doesn't yeah. make sense, right? And so that's my unique take on it but yeah xrp so does it have utility the token i don't see it i don't see it yeah it doesn't they don't even list it in their about either which is like kind of well most people don't list the when you're looking at things and again this is more for go back and check out our do your own research mm -hmm. but um I feel like they that would never be... there, there's marketing and then there's the technology yeah. and you have to go look at the technology of things is sort of like the game theory. Go back and check out the game theory episode, right? Mm -hmm. That's why we cover all these different pieces. You, to really understand how something works, you have to really understand the real mechanisms, not the marketing pitch. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be great if this? Yeah, that would be great. How are you going to do it? Yeah. Oh, you just do this. Well, as soon as you hear somebody say you just do this, it's mm -hmm. like, all right, that's, that's probably not a working solution. Yeah. Right? Um, and as you start to dig in, you know, who wears, you got to look at supply and demand, game theory, how the technology works, the immutable pieces. Is it really immutable? Is it really permissionless? What does permissionless mean? How are they defining it? Mm -hmm. Well, it's permissionless. Anybody can join. Cool. Can I join? Well, <laughs> you first you have to go through this committee thing. All right. Yeah. So it's not really permissionless. Well, no, anybody can join as long as you pass the yeah. X, Y, Z. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. It doesn't really sound permissionless. Right. And again, it's how you're going to define it. For me, permission means any schmuck who can grab some kind of a phone or some kind of technology can participate. Yeah. In an internet connection or something. That's what it means to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? You should, very minimal uh, qualifications. Yeah. Okay. Well, then the next one I have written down um, is Chainlink. Chainlink. Chainlink, covering our Oracle problems. So we'll do the same thing. Let's go to Masari this time. Yes, I hear Oracle is being brought up a lot, and I don't think we've really 
talked about oracles. Yeah. We have not. Um, so Chainlink is an oracle solution. Let's say decentralized. Here's their summary according to Masari, right? Chainlink is a decentralized oracle network. It aims to serve as middleware between smart contracts and smart contracting platforms and external data sources, allowing smart contracts to securely access off-chain data feeds. What's that mean to you? Uh, not really sure. Sounds like, sounds like they're, to me it sounds like almost like an AI or something that's like trying to use real world, world data to, I don't know, do something. Connect, connect um, blockchains. So everybody now is familiar with like NFTs, mm -hmm. right? Um, in general, right? Because this isn't, isn't an NFT episode, but an <laughs> NFT is just a, it's a non-fungible token. It means it's a unique representation, right? A dollar is fungible. Even though it's got a serial number, yeah. so you can track individual dollars. Mm -hmm. If I have a dollar and you have a dollar and we swap them, neither one of us feels like we're cheated. We have the exact same thing. Right. If I have one Bitcoin and you have one Bitcoin and we swap them, mm -hmm. we both have one Bitcoin. Right? There's mm -hmm. no difference in it. Yeah. Right? Um, but if I have a Picasso mm -hmm. and you have a Basquiat mm -hmm. and we swap them, mm -hmm. We don't have the same thing. Right. Right? right. Non-fungible. Period. Got it. All right. Okay. That's a really good explanation. So the power of how native blockchain assets work, right? So let's take um, CryptoPunks. Like we'll stick with the NFT example, right? CryptoPunks, or let's even go further back, CryptoKitties, <laughs> right? And if you know what I'm saying off rip, you're, you're uh, at least old school enough. <laughs> Patch stuff on the back. You've been here for a minute. Um, Crypto Kitties. <laughs> there you go. They're like Crypt like OG NFTs. Yeah. So okay. well, right. It was the Crypto Kitties was not the first NFT, but it was the first mainstream NFT. Mm -hmm. It shut down Ethereum. It was so mainstream because of scalability problems. Um, and uh, Crypto Kitties are born and live entirely on chain. The artwork. Everything about a crypto kitty is on chain. It's truly NFT. So I can go through, it's truly immutable. I can go through, see when it was created, mm -hmm. right? And track its entire history forever. Okay. Right? That's the power of an immutable ledger. When you hear people start talking about, oh man, but imagine if you could do that with real estate mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or supply chains. Yeah. Right? There's a problem there. There's a huge problem, and that's the Oracle problem, right? The Oracle problem is how does the blockchain know anything about this thing that was not born mm. on chain? Real estate isn't born on chain. Mm -hmm. So once you enter it on chain, sure, that information, but how does the blockchain know any of that information is true? Yeah. How does it know so-and-so really owns this real estate? Right. How does it know this apple was really picked here? It doesn't. Yeah. It's like, you told it. It's, it's like, all right, cool. You told me that. Yeah. Cool. Hey, everybody. So-and-so said this happened at this yeah. time. It's not verifying any of that. Right. Right. It's just it's just being like a data entry being put in. So, like, if I wanted to say, like, my house was worth, like, a million dollars 
you know, as opposed to it being like 200,000. Right. Then there could be problems if I'm like fudging the data. Exactly. And the same thing true sticking with the NFT thing, right? With most NFTs that come out, it's really expensive to keep every piece of an artwork NFT on chain. That's really expensive. Because so, of the data it takes up? Or? Yeah, you're paying for the gas. That's what gas, if you're paying, like in Ethereum, gas is what you pay for the data you're using, right? Okay. And an image is huge. Right. It's a lot of data. So um, they, they keep information about the image, who created it, where the actual file sits, mm-hmm. and then they try to use something, at least the... Um, the ones who are trying to act at least like they're good actors will put it like an IPFS or something because that's decentralized storage. It's like, if you're familiar with like Amazon Web Services or HostGator or GoDaddy, like where people keep their websites. Okay. It's like that, but decentralized. Okay. Right? So they might keep it there, but this is where the most, a lot of NFT rug pulls happen. I'm telling you I'm making a new, um, I don't know, something image right a new nate nate token thing and here's the image a right document token a blockument token <laughs> right with our little with our logo yeah and i'm only going to have a hundred of them here's the logo yeah. here you go yeah and you're like cool i got it now you got the <laughs> nft but what does that mean that means you for most projects it means you just have the metadata mm-hmm. it says i gave it to you at this date at this time at this whatever and you go to grab look at the actual image well where's the image mm-hmm well, that's sitting in my server someplace, and I swap that out for a picture of, uh, for I rickroll you, right? I give you that whole um, mm-hmm. Rick Astin song. Yeah. And the people have actually done that. For real, that's actually kind of funny, but also it, it sucks. is sort of funny, but it sucks <laughs> because how do you prove yeah. some? How do, the blockchain is not some magical piece of technology that just knows everything and tracks everything. And so then that's where the Oracle comes in? So the Oracle comes in. Chainlink says, look, we think we can solve this for some things, right? They haven't mm-hmm. figured out how to solve it for most things. Um, but some things, right? So one of the first use cases um, on Ethereum was outside of speculation. Speculation is everybody's first yeah. sort of role part. Um, was prediction markets. Basically, base level gambling platforms, right? Like Vegas type stuff. Hey, oh. is it going to rain today? Yeah. Want to take the odds? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so if you're going to do that, in a, you can do that in a decentralized way, right? Ethereum allows that. But how do we, in a decentralized way, verify who won? Right. So we take our money. We all pool it in. Yeah. You got... You got it's going to rain. I got it's not going to rain. And Alice says it's going to be misty, which means she'll win a third of the pot if she's right. Right. So now the day goes by and it's a full out rainstorm. Mm -hmm. So you won. Do you have to wait for us to admit you won? Right. I don't know. Well, if you did, we're not going to want to lose our money. So we're going to be like, no, it didn't rain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So how do you guarantee in a permissionless, immutable, censorship-resistant way that you're going to get the pot? Well, like, I'll put it in a smart contract. Cool. How's sm- how does Ethereum blockchain or your yeah. smart contract know if it rained in this little region right. in the world? It has to be, like, the data for that has to be inputted. It has to be input. So how do you input data in a trustless way? Who's inputting the data? 
Yeah, that's the thing. I don't know. So what Chainlink does is they go out and they sort of act like this this um, external data input thing. So they might query the weather channel. They might query uh, the news, the local news, three of the local news networks in the area we're talking about. They might query five other um, um, like weather service things. They'll tap into um, Apple weather. Mm -hmm. So they have, they try to get this wide pool of data resources mm -hmm. that are unconnected. Yeah. And then they just use consensus to sort of say, all right, all of the two-thirds of these places or whatever metric they use of these places all confirm it rained. Mm -hmm. So the smart contract is just really pinging. It's part of our smart contract for our bet. What it does is we say, all right, on this date, we're going to find out whether it rained or not. So once that day and time goes by, the smart contract starts pinging Chainlink. Mm -hmm. Hey, Chainlink, what happened? Mm -hmm. And Chainlink goes out and pings these services and pings back and says it rained. And smart contract said, I it rained, boop, and it releases the money to you. So Chainlink is kind of like a data aggregator that con confirms or denies a claim that someone is making, kind of. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. And so can that be used with like real estate or some of these? Eventually, things? once you get but the question is how much how many how do you know Chainlink isn't somehow, like incentivized? Oh uh, yeah, uh, fixing the data. So they have their own decentralization thing. They have to prove to everybody, mm -hmm. right? Then, how do you? How many independent data points do they need for any of us to be like, yeah, I trust that? If we're making a sports bet, is it just they go to ESPN and that's it? Mm-hmm. Or are they going to ESPN and Fox Sports? Well, that's only two. Yeah. I want, I want, those are, and both of those are, I don't know if this is true, both of those are owned by Disney. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's really one data point you're giving me. Mm -hmm, I see. And even if it was Disney and um, Comcast that own both of those, right? Those are both American companies. So you still got a single point. So you have that decentralized, like, I need a global, like, how many do you need? So these are sort of the problems that the Oracle problem solvers need to solve for themselves. But Chainlink um, sort of leads the race in that. They're the most widely used one. They're, they're all throughout DeFi because this is an Oracle problem with DeFi, right? Uh, if you're doing lending, if I'm going to you put up your ETH, you put up, you know, 10 ETH, and then you borrow three ETH. Mm -hmm. Well, the price of ETH, where that price goes, mm. right, depends on whether you're going to lose your collateral or not. Yeah. How do you know what the price of ETH is? How does the Aave smart contract know what the price of ETH is? It has to tap into networks. What networks? Is it going to do just DEXs? Is it going to use Binance and Coinbase? Shouldn't it, like, use a mix? Yeah, well, if you want decentralized, but how is Aave going to do it? They either have to build their own Oracle, mm. right, or they have to use an Oracle solution, and that's where Chainlink comes in. Okay, so so if you're using Aave, Aave would kind of like check in with Chainlink to see what. Mm -hmm. mm, okay. And then Chainlink would check in with all these different data price feeds, and now if it's um, 
transparent and open source, you'll be able to go to Chainlink and see what all these like how they data arrived. feeds are. Are they accurate? Is it timely? Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so yeah, that's that's the Oracle thing. Okay, cool. So does the question become? So is there utility in that? So I'm not going to. I uh, I, I was talking about. I do hold some Chainlink. Mm-hmm. So take my answers with bias and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the solving the Oracle problem. If you want to do anything with a blockchain that's not native to the chain, mm-hmm. you have to solve the Oracle problem. Yeah. I don't know that it's been absolutely solved, mm-hmm. but there are a few companies working on it. Chainlink is sort of the leader in that. And solving it in, you, you when you say solving the Oracle problem, you mean solving it in the trustless, permissionless, like decentralized manner. Mm-hmm. As opposed to just like, I'm Ashley's Oracle. You can come, you know, use me, and I'm just gonna. I I'm solely inputting all the data. Right. One of one of the pieces of this is being trustless, right? Right. Um, not needing to rely on a third party. So if I'm like, oh no, Chainlink's got me. That sounds a lot like I'm relying on a third party. Yeah. Unless you have something where Chainlink can be like, no, no, no. We Chainlink in and of itself. Is this permissionless, yeah. decentralized, yeah, yeah. whatever? If I want to trade Bitcoin, like if I can get, if I'm, I'm the type who thinks, all right, there are things on Ethereum. Ethereum itself is the second most decentralized network in blockchains that we have. They've they're technically secure in a lot of their features. They've done things. You know, there's never been a problem with the core Ethereum network. And they've done the second most um, technologically advanced thing ever, especially in the blockchain space, when they did the merge, mm-hmm. when they completed 2.0. They've went from proof of work to proof of stake mm-hmm. on a live network and yeah. didn't miss a block. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Besides, like, the genesis block of Bitcoin, yeah. that's probably the biggest thing that's ever happened in, yeah. in all this. Um, so they're surviving so far, right? So... You trust in that, all right, so if I trust in that and I trust in something, uh, a project, let's say I trust in Chainlink on top of that, mm-hmm. and then I trust in Ave mm-hmm. on top of that, right? I have the system and then Uniswap and a few other DEXs, right, on top of that. So if all of these different spots mm-hmm. are proven that they're legitimate sources, with the only weak space being like a centralized exchange that Chainlink is tapping into, because we know those are you know, third parties, yeah. period. But if you have s- certain levels of decentralization you're comfortable with mm-hmm. all the way through, then yeah, that's that's the problem they have to solve. Like, are we decentralized? Is the data input we're getting decentralized? And can it be manipulated where I can truly, truly tr- not have to worry about trusting it? Mm-hmm. I can verify everything. Mm-hmm. But that becomes a problem, again, especially when you're talking about real estate, because at the end of the day, Whatever, wherever that land is sitting, that government yeah. controls that real estate, and yeah. it can do things. It doesn't. A government isn't going to care what the blockchain says. <laughs> yeah. If it if it's like I want a freeway there, not a house, it's going to put a freeway there. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, the blockchain says. Uh, and is the yeah. blockchain going to come to my door with bullets? Yeah. Then no, I don't care. Yeah. Right. So, 
these are that's still part of an Oracle problem that you know Chainlink itself or any of the Oracle systems aren't going to be able to unilaterally fix. Mm. Or at least I'm not creative enough to figure out how they could unilaterally fix it. You know. So Chainlink, I think there's <laughs> any kind of Oracle thing. Look at them, see what they're really doing. Some Oracle, all Oracles aren't created equal. Um, but uh, yeah, I think there's utility there. I don't know how much time we have. I for probably, about, one. probably about like ten more minutes. Do you think we have? All right, yeah, we got a few more minutes. Let's try one more. Okay, I'll give you two options, and you can you can pick one. How's that sound? Sure. Okay, Algorand or Cosmos. All right. Um, I know you said I'm going to pick one, but I'm going to let you pick which one I pick. Okay. All right. Um, I'm fairly familiar with Cosmos. Okay. And I own some. And okay. the whole network, I don't understand how that's pretty much set up. I'm very lightly familiar with Algorand. Definitely don't own any. Mm-hmm. So I'd really be going off of what we're looking at. So you can either get a, that's hey, this is what he knows about, or yeah, let's see what let's, he does live. Let's go Algorand. That'd be more interesting, I feel like. <laughs> All right. Let's look at Algorand. Um, I use CoinMarketCap. I use Masari. I'll use CoinGecko this time. Algorand. All right. Algorand. So we're looking at coingecko.com. Algorand price. Where can you buy? What's the all time high? Where's the uh, about? Dang. They don't even have an about, or, or we're skipping. Read more. Read less. Yeah, we're missing something here. Oh, here we go. Um, oh, okay. Overview and then. Oh, look, they got their own tokenomics. New, and they don't have the tokenomics for the coin. Algorand has it has its wait, what? The CoinGecko.com has a new tab mm. when you're looking into a thing. One of them is tokenomics as we talked about. Yeah. Um, but they don't have any input for tokenomics of Elgrand yet. All right. It looks like I'm going to have to go to the site, but this is another thing I use um CoinGecko, CoinMarketCap, or Masari for. Um, there's so much scam going on. Mhm. In this space, I'm not saying Elgrand is a scam. I'm saying I don't know if I'm going to Elgrand.com, .org, .io, yeah. .anything. Yeah. And you can't trust Google. Yeah. Right? Um, because they're just going to give you the highest, whoever pays them the most, right. to put their ranks up top. Right. So I usually go to someplace like CoinGecko mm-hmm. to look up the coin. In their info section, you'll see the website. Okay. And I'll click that so I know I'm going to the real site, not some scam site. It looks like there's a couple, though, right? Yeah, they got Elgorand.foundation, Elgorand.com. And then another Elgorand.com, right? Yeah, that's probably just a repeat for the thing. Oh, okay. Um, they also have Elgorand.org. And any good, if you are really care about security of your users and you have high um, security content, You'll do that. You don't ever just buy your .com. You'll buy your .com, your .org. Oh, if you're a tech so. company, maybe the .io. You can use whichever one you want to, 
right, and point the rest to that. But that way, scammers can't come along and buy a mirror site and confuse people who yeah. aren't paying attention. So that's always sort of a good thing. So we'll go on the Elgarand.com. Um, the world's most powerful and sustainable blockchain. Well, that says nothing to me. Our institutional-grade blockchain, they're already losing me because we're talking about institutions. Mm -hmm. And to me, everything, anything I want to do blockchain is, the blockchain is the institution. I don't need institutional-grade. But is the first and only to achieve decentralization, scalability, and security without compromise and while being environmentally sustainable. So this goes more on a do-your-own-research thing. But reading, this is the very first thing they say about themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Everything they've said so far is either not true or pure marketing. It's the first and only to achieve decentralization, scalability, and security. I don't believe them. Yeah. They're going to really have to prove that to me. And whatever they're doing, I mean, every alt layer one says this. Mm -hmm. All right. Without compromising, well, this is the problem. You can't. There is, you have to compromise something, right? You can't have decentralization, scalability, and security in equal f fashion. Bitcoin compromises scalability. Mm -hmm. um, Ethereum compromised scalability. Um, and I feel they also compromise somewhat on security because they decided to do smart contracts, which means it's more complex code, which means it's not as secure because there's more room for error, right? Mm -hmm. You always compromise yeah. something. Like, no, no, we didn't compromise anything and we improved on stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I'll grant the green blockchain. That already means nothing. Their website is nice, colorful. <laughs> yeah, that means there's marketing. Again, these yeah. are the things I look at, right? But when I hear to talk about quality of the project, we're just seeing if it's... I'm just looking for something here that just tells me what it does. Core protocol. Algorand removes the technical barriers for the years that for years undermined mainstream blockchain. Proof of stake ensures full participation. So we'd have to look into how they run proof of stake because while, first of all, they trademarked proof of stake. Like it's, they have the trademark logo on there, like it's pure it, proof of yeah, stake. Yeah. Ah. So I did watch a little video on this one before coming in. Well, and, give me your summary. And they, they, the pure proof of stake is different in that um, if you own any Algorand, you get um, a percent return, whether or not you like stake it. It's just the fact that you own it, you get um, some percent. So that's what. They're saying is pure proof of stake. Okay. What what is their what's the purpose? What does it do? It's just another smart contract platform. Um, I, I don't exactly remember. I was hoping that when you talked about it, what the video said would kind of like make a little make more a sense. little more sense. All right. To in the in the hopes of our users and our time here, we're gonna go to Masari and look them up. They'll give me a better summary. I'll go around. But I do remember the video saying that, yeah, they, they were, like, saying that it solved all the problems and there's no compromise. 
So. Yeah, but that doesn't. Okay, yeah, great. I mean, you said it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. There's no reward, nor does it put validator or user funds at risk of being slashed. Algorand intends to eventually leverage its design to form the foundation of an on-chain governance system. All right, so they're looking at governance. Because I'm not trying to really critique Algorand in and of itself, just what they're doing if there's any build. So I'll say this so far. Um... Was the permissions pure? Unlike first generation consensus, Elgrand finalizes blocks in seconds and aims to provide immediate transaction finality while preventing forks. And remember, Ethereum promotes forks. That's a big difference between Elgrand and Ethereum, just based on that sentence mm -hmm. on how they do it. Bitcoin doesn't like forks, but they're there and they upgrade through soft forks, which means it's backwards compatible. If you have version 000.1 of Bitcoin yeah. and version one of Bitcoin, yeah. your version one will still be able to read version 000.1. Mm -hmm. So there's no need, it's not required to upgrade. Mm. Ethereum, on the other hand, works by forced um, hard forks, mm. which means you can't, there is no backwards compatible at that point. Um, but that's because the whole network has to sort of be on the same intertwined chain because you have things like DeFi and NFTs. You can't for if you if you got a one of one NFT, right? Mm -hmm. If you got a board ape, mm -hmm. and then Ethereum forks, yeah. the forking in itself gives you two board apes. Which one's the real one? Right. So right. you can't have two active real forks of Ethereum. Right. So that's a forking problem, right? right. So saying is they don't have they prevent <laughs> forks. Yeah. Which means you could build, theoretically, if all everything else works, you wouldn't have that problem. You could build right. DeFi, you could build reliable NFTs and not have to worry about double, you know, double up. Yeah. Um, has been, it's open source, publicly available, provides a robust set of developer tools, DAP. All right, so without looking at anything else, I would say there's utility here. Now, whether it's good compared to anything else, mm -hmm. I'm have no idea um, from the marketing jargon on the website. I'm going to yeah. lean towards the probably not side, yeah. but um, that's just my opinion. And I'm just some asshole on the microphone, right? Yeah. Um, but is there utility? Yes, because as we spent some time talking about Bitcoin and what its utility is, right? We didn't really talk about like Ethereum or smart contract platforms utility. Mm -hmm. And their utility is, all right, Bitcoin is doing um, store of value, right? Preserve wealth, mm -hmm. which is very useful. But there are going to be other things in life that you also want to preserve or have censorship resistant and have tr trustless and permissionless. And that a lot of that is like... Well, we slightly talked about like the real estate part, which is yeah. taking like, a huge leap forward. Um, there's still things like uh, just basic swapping, right? If you wanted to swap assets, sort of that XRP thing, mm -hmm. except where you're going from an off-world, off-chain asset to mm -hmm. XRP to an on-chain asset or to another off-world asset. What if I want to go from one off-world, one on-chain asset to another on-chain asset, mm -hmm. right? And this is where decentralized exchanges come in. Mm -hmm. You can't do that without smart contract platforms. This is what Ethereum started. They started that revolution. And I've been saying this since about 2019, 2020. 
used to be when you hear altcoin, yeah. you meant an alternative to Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Right? And that was very true through the 2017 bull and most of its bear market, right? Mm-hmm. But around 2019, when all these other L1 started popping up, Cosmos started to become popular. I'm pretty sure Algorand was there. I've heard of Algorand. I just never, there's, after a while, there's just too many to be yeah. um, that deep on them. Um, but Cosmos, Algorand, Avalanche, you know, eventually Solana, um, Cardano, you have all the EOS. Mm-hmm. They weren't alternatives to Bitcoin. They were alternatives to Ethereum. Mm. Bitcoin is Bitcoin. There are a few Bitcoin altcoins that take different approaches. I would Any chain that's probably proof of work and only does money, Monero, Dash, Zcash, Litecoin, mm-hmm. um, those are Bitcoin alts. Right. Ethereum is no longer an alternative to Bitcoin. Yeah. Ethereum is an entirely different thing than Bitcoin. You have Bitcoin and you have Ethereum. Mm -hmm. And those are sort of the two big realms. Everything else is either an alternative to Bitcoin, Mm -hmm. and most things are an alternative to Ethereum at this point, right? Um, And there's utility in the base layer thing. When you're talking about the Ethereum scope of things, Mm -hmm. Algorand, Avalanche, Cosmos, which is... There are a lot of things, oracles. Mm-hmm. Even if I wanted Bitcoin to be able to communicate with the external world at some point, it needs an oracle. Right. Right? Um, so there's utility in having platforms that can solve some of those types of problems, like the oracle problem, like a like a lending. Lending and we talk about banking, right? Be your yeah. own bank. Yeah. Banks do more than just hold money, which is yeah. basically what Bitcoin does. It just holds money. Right. You do lending and all of that. Yeah. Smart contracts. There's utility in that. So if Algorand has a way to do this in a way that's even better than how Ethereum does it, mm-hmm. there's utility there. Yeah. Now, do they do it? Don't know. But there's utility there mm-hmm. that I, that I don't think I can, I can't talk myself. You have some purists who are like, no, big, uh, the only thing blockchains are good for is money. Mm. But I don't agree with that. Identity. I think identity is huge. It's yeah. probably the biggest problem next to money, maybe bigger. Yeah. Right? How do you prove you are who you are? Right. And not a problem for us if you're U.S. or most people in the Western world, but there's a lot of people who wake up one day and their country doesn't exist anymore. And they yeah. go to someplace else and they're like, I can't mess with you until you prove who you are. Well, how are yeah. they supposed to do that? Yeah. Right? So. Oh, yeah. It's like that. There was a movie like, um, Oh, the the guy he was like traveling and he, he while he was in the air his um oh, yeah. country like in the airport Tom Hanks played yeah, that role yeah yep. while he was in the air his country like was destroyed and no longer exists so when he landed his passport was no longer good so he had to stay lived he in the could, airport for like yeah 20 he years. couldn't he couldn't go into the U S soil but he also couldn't go back home because he didn't have any identity and no other country would take him yeah so he got stuck in an airport right. Uh, I can't remember that. It's a Tom Hanks movie. You can look that up, but something it's based off a true story. or something. I have no I idea what the title was, but yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah. This is the problem when you depend on a centralized authority. Right. And how likely is it if you're American or German that you're going to take off on an airplane land <laughs> and your country doesn't exist? Right. Probably not. But there's about 192 countries in the world right now. I would bet, I'm just making this number up, mm-hmm. but 
I would bet something near half of them at least, that's a very real possibility. Yeah. You could take off and land and your country is no longer your country. Yeah. And then what? Yeah. So, yeah, that's a real problem. Um, and maybe I know there are people working to solve that problem on Bitcoin. I know there are people working to solve that problem on smart contract platforms. Whoever can come solve the problem and do it best yeah. and most accessible and trustless, because that's going to be a key, mm-hmm. and permissionless. Yeah, that would be huge. So tons of utility in something like a smart contract platform. Um, if they really could solve the scalability, decentralization, security problem. Like without compromise? Or with acceptable compromise. I don't think you're ever going to, some things just you can't solve without compromise, you know, um, in business. So all my business people out there, there's, mm-hmm. there's a trilemma, mm-hmm. right? Fast, cheap, good. Yeah. Right? So when you're dealing with clients, look, you can have, you can, I'll do the business, but we'll tell me what you want. You can only have two. It can be fast and cheap, Mm -hmm. but it won't be good. It can be good (laughs) and cheap, but it won't be fast. It'll be fast and good, but it won't be cheap. Yeah. Right? You're you're not going to fix that problem. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I'd I'd say utility-wise, sure, I see an argument for Elgrand. Yeah, and if you know more, let uh, let us know on on Twitter or Well, you know, I, yeah, definitely let us know. Yeah. <laughs> Show me some resources cuz here's my philosophy in life, right? I absolutely don't know everything. I know very little, yeah, right? Me, me I too. <laughs> talk to people all the time who blow me away with what they know. But one thing I have is you will never ask me about something twice. And I don't have a full, intelligent, well-researched answer. Mm-hmm. So you'll never, I mean, as long as you don't ask me in the next five minutes, <laughs> you'll never ask me about Elgarand again. Nobody yeah. will. And I don't have a very detailed, full, full answer. So thank you. Yeah, you're uh, right. I got homework. Oh, my pleasure. All right. <laughs> so just as a quick analysis, as we wrap up. Uh, what problem can Bitcoin and crypto fix? Are there any problems that you think Bitcoin and crypto can fix? Or is it just a... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think oh. we touched on quite a few. Um, so very clearly the store of value, um, proof of identity potentially. Um, let's see here. Um, uh, proof of like ownership of something, mm-hmm. potentially like real estate, um, things like that, like titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's, I mean. I mean, if you just name those, if that's, <laughs> I don't like how you, you named, I think, four things. Yeah. If that was all, that was it. Yeah. And nothing in crypto or blockchain or anything could ever solve more than those four things, mm-hmm. that's already Super big. changed. Huge, large-scale, societal changing things. Yeah. Right? If it only did one of those, Mm -hmm. it's huge societal changing. Right? The fact that it can do more than one of them is even bigger. Yeah. Right? We haven't even tapped into how it's going to affect AI. Oh, yeah. So, maybe another episode. Write that down. (laughs) So, I will have, um, maybe we'll put... Highlight the, uh, the the coins we talked about today. Okay. We'll link some resources to each one so you can go look for yourself to see if they have utility. Um, 
I'll point down to our do your own research, which will give you links to the Masari and Coin Market Cap and Coin Gecko um, and any other little information. And then you can find all that by going to theblockument.com, right? And you can also check out our past shows because there's going to be a few you're going to want to listen to to understand some of what we were talking about. Mm -hmm. And as Ashley said, if you got some information for me on where I can learn more about like Elgarand or if you want to check my opinion on any of this stuff, like, uh, I mean, don't XRP army me. I was going to say, I think think we're going to I used to be one of you. (laughs) I might have been a deserter, but. Please don't XRP army me, but you can hit us up on Twitter. I Where? Say, I say get him. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, Twitter, Facebook, um, YouTube. Let's see, am I missing any? I think that's, I think that's all of them. All right. And uh, maybe we'll talk about a little bit more on the Black Notes. Oh, all right. Yes. Peace. Peace. Come <laughs> here.